RadioNext.tv on the cool blue side. You are listening to Warping Wolf Radio and the smooth jazz interludes, as my brother Dr. Mark Echo likes to say. Um, what we do each and every Wednesday is try to bring to you information that uh, can really help uh, uh, make your walk just a little better, maybe make some clarity about some issues that uh, mainstream does not talk about. That's right. Uh, today we're talking about prison chaplaincy, and uh, this, this is a subject that we're going to touch over and over again. We have so many people who are uh, being released uh, from the penal system that we do not have the correct pathways for them to make mm -hmm. the adjustments necessary to become proper citizens. And a lot of times we sit back and uh, do more complaining than we do actions on trying to empower. Yeah. Um, and, and, man, you have said something so eloquent before we get going about uh, power and authority. Yes. And so bottom line is that uh, our culture says that you take power, and when you take power, you close your fist. Uh, but with authority, God has granted every single one of us authority in our realms and our spheres of influence. And we hold authority with an open hand. And we're generous to people, as Deuteronomy 15 tells us, that we should be open-handed to our brothers and not tight-fisted or closed-fisted. So the difference between power, closed-fisted, and authority, open-handed, is where we're at, where we're coming from, what, what our ethos is all about. Well, uh, you know, we always uh, do three segments in the first hour, and uh, uh, we always talk about speaking to life, how Proverbs speaks to life, because mm -hmm. uh, this is the rule book and the road map on how to have a good life. And so we had a chaplain on uh, just a few weeks ago, so I would love for you to review um, some of the things a few weeks ago we said about chaplaincy, that sure. breaking down the verbiage. Absolutely. So let's deal with both words. Uh, when we talk about the concept of uh, having a place for people to come back to. So we're talking about returning citizens here uh, to one degree or another, uh, but obviously today's show is focused on in-prison uh, chaplaincy. But when we're providing a hospice or a rest house for travelers when they come out, this is a really unique uh, word, which literally means a shelter. So we really are responsible to uh, view our uh, brothers and sisters who might be coming out of prison as guests, as strangers and foreigners in the sense of what Leviticus 19 teaches us, and that is that we bear responsibility for anybody uh, who is a foreigner or a stranger in our midst and yet our brother. And so, uh, as you suggested, H.P., before, uh, the Bible talks an awful lot about prison. You know, we could go all the way back to Genesis, talk about Joseph being in prison for two years. We could talk about Jesus. Matthew 25, you've got to visit those people in prison. But then there's the chaplaincy emphasis. And this, the word chaplain uh, comes from this ancient French word, which means clergyman. So literally, a chaplain is somebody who is allied with the clergy, who does religious services. And that kind of concept is what we're going to really focus on today with Claude Robinson as a focus in prison on chaplaincy. And then since we always come from the root and, and the uh, scriptures and Proverbs, um, help us understand uh, prison uh, chaplain's role then. Yeah, absolutely. So Proverbs speaks all kinds of things about justice. Here are just a few uh, statements out of the book of uh, Proverbs. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city. So if uh, somebody has done wrong, there are, th there are five steps. You need to admit, forgive, repent, reconcile, and reunion uh, with folks. I'll say those again. Admit, forgive, repent, reconcile, and reunion. Uh, 21.3 from Proverbs, to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. We put on a show at church sometimes as Christians. Man, that's not right. We ought to be up front with folks about justice and righteousness. 
And then 29.14 out of Proverbs, If the king faithfully judges the poor, his throne will be established forever. And here we have the emphasis on the connection between politics, the prison system, and culture itself, and the responsibility of the politician to step up to do right by everybody, including those who don't have a voice, such as those coming out of prison. Wow, that's powerful. Because um, we see so much of it today. That's right. Uh, and it's ironic, last night, not getting too far off of where we are today, um, we had people there who were standing for justice. That's uh, right. Indiana Civil Rights Commission, and then we had some police officers there trying to, to get people to understand you know, their role in, in the community. And it's a gray area, it's a fine mm-hmm. line a lot of times when we are talking about you know, taking back in our brothers and sisters who have, uh, who have done wrong and now you know, ready to get right. As I was uh, chatting there with uh, with the major who was there uh, last evening, uh, we talked about there is no routine. Like he was suggesting, there are no routine stops as a police officer. And I, said, I walked up to him and I said, man, there is no normal. <laughs> and, yeah, ex- you know, absolutely. And I try to explain that to the youth that I, that I deal with in, in this world. Uh, when the police show up, they're not showing up like your buddy showing up ready mm-hmm. to go to the movie or watch a game. Every time they're called to the scene... There is drama that has been right. uh, a spread throughout that airwave about, hey, you need to get there. And when they get mm-hmm. there, they have to be on alert. So uh, we're not dealing with normal uh, people. Right. So we have to realize there is a reason why. Because if, if someone's been in prison, most times they have been in an act where it's caused them to have to have some police That's interaction. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, so it's a gray area. You mm-hmm. know, we have, to, we have to think about the other side as well. That's right. In, in our grace and wanting to open our arms, we also have to remember uh, these people have been dangerous. These That's people right. have done wrong, but we have to be, what did you say, repent? Yeah, we got to do five things in a row. We need to admit, forgive, repent, reconcile, and reunion. There you go, and that's what we need. That, that reunion part is what we need to do. And the last question of this first segment, Mark, um, how do uh, does Christian theology give a basis uh, for prison ministry? Sure, so my compulsion to help others is always going to be based on my commitment to love others, which shows my love for God. So there's this old hymn, it's called Rescue the Perishing, and one of the lines reads, Touched by a loving heart, wakened by kindness, chords that were broken will vibrate once again. Isn't that cool? That always sounds like uh, poetry to me. (laughs) Exactly, man, because, yeah, music's your first language. Mm -hmm. So God knows my motives. So why do I do certain things? If I do good so I can feel good, That's not the right attitude or motivation. I do what's right uh, so that God sees my motives. And my intention is driven by my love for God and therefore my love uh, for other people. His redemption in me is now what I give back to others since he has given to me what he's given to me. And that's the grace of Jesus because Jesus is the one who saves that emphasis again on the old hymn, Rescue the Perishing. But one of the things that we need to talk about specifically as it relates to this in terms of prison is that we need to talk about returning citizens. Now, some folks uh, talk about these uh, folks coming out of prison as ex-offenders or parolees, and I think word choice matters here. So when we talk about returning citizens, we have to ask the question, how is the best way that we can help people? And quite frankly, the very first thing we need to do right out of the box is use the right words. So if we're using proper terminology that doesn't offend or put off or uh, stagnate the conversation or uh, bring up the question, what do you mean when you say this word? If we're generous with people about word choices that they think, that's going to bring not only justice, but it's going to bring, bring peace. 
because peace in the Bible literally is the word shalom, which means wholeness. So we're looking for peaceful paths. We're looking for peace that creates joy. Uh, we're actually looking that, uh, as Proverbs suggests, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. <laughs> so there it is. In a nutshell, when we're talking about Christian theology all the way through Scripture, uh, about prison ministry, we're all consumed with not only the issue of justice, but the, that peace must rest upon justice and justice upon righteousness. There but, it is. And I love more than anything the fact that when we mention uh, a cheerful giver, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and, and a cheerful giver means that you do not expect anything back right. or you're not trying to become self-serving because of the action that you uh, uh, just put forth. Um, and, and God will shine on that. But if you're going in from a manner of, okay, I'm going to give to you so I can feel good yeah. about giving to you. Right. Eh, that ain't working, man. That ain't working. <laughs> so we're going to come right back. When we come back, we want to discuss more on prison chaplaincy. Uh, in the next segment, we're going to be talking about uh, current events. And, uh, you know, you'll find it interesting to see how uh, fr- straight from Bible to mm-hmm. now. That's right. Oh, but it's is. still relevant. Uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Warp and Wolf Radio on the Cool Group side. And we are back. You are listening to the Warping Wolf Internet Radio Show here on the Cool Group site. Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell. And we are talking about prison chaplaincy today. Um, and, and that first segment, man, you were hitting some home runs on, on the commentary. Uh, what we want to do is uh, go into the second, second, and, uh, second segment and talk about current events. And uh, we have had discussions about prisons on this show before. Uh, remind us uh, uh, what our guests have said, Mark, so far, because, I mean, this is probably our third or fourth show dealing in prison ministry. Absolutely. So I need to mention, first of all, our website. That's ComeniusInstitute.org, C-O-M-E-N-I-U-S, Institute.org. There you will find under videos uh, all of the podcasts to this point that we have had uh, on this particular show. And so the folks that I'm mentioning there, if you're interested at all, go check them out on the podcast. And before I mention the specific shows, I need to give a shout-out to two people that really need to be recognized on a regular basis. I thank them all the time, but I want to thank them publicly. Uh, For a number of months when we first started this show uh, a year ago now, Lachelle Fievel was very much uh, working behind the scenes for us, helping us uh, to cut out the music, create the podcasts that came out. And so Lachelle was uh, the early uh, person who was invested in the programming. And now we have Josh Collingswood, who is uh, just a a real technical genius, frankly. And he takes care of all of the the behind-the-scenes stuff for us now at Cominius. And I'm just really thankful for Josh Collingswood and for his good work. So let me get to uh, the folks, a few folks that I need to mention as it relates to other discussions we've had about prison and uh, chaplaincy on this program. One of uh, the folks that we just had, just two weeks ago, actually, Shannon Cockrell was here, and he was talking with us there about hospice chaplaincy. Uh, That was January 18th. So if you're interested in hearing what we had to say about chaplaincy, uh, check out the January 18th podcast. And just another word out here on the side uh, to some of my students who who might actually be listening, perhaps even to the podcast, I know that I'm going to be uh, teaching a class in Lancaster, Pennsylvania in March, and uh, at least one of my students there has uh, suggested that they're really interested in chaplain's ministry. So I highly recommend 
uh, that you check out Shannon Cockrell's uh, event. And then Richard Samuels uh, had been in and out of the system over uh, many years. He explains his work in Growing Indie, and that was on our 16th episode. That was June 1st, 2016, Richard Samuels. Kevin Russell, uh, before that, faith-based parole officer. Kevin might even be listening this morning. We were messaging back and forth early this a.m. Uh, faith-based parole officer in Indy. Uh, his episode aired April 20th, April 20th. And then, of course, Kevin connected me with the Isaiah House, uh, which is overseen by David Cedarquist, a pastor uh, down on the east side. June 19th, we had David in here, and we talked about Isaiah House this transitional housing for returning uh, citizens. So bottom line is, I would say, over and over and over again, people need people. And uh, what we're always doing in this show is connecting community, kind of like what you do, right, HB? <laughs> hey, man, we, you know, I think it works. It yeah, absolutely. Works. Um, now, togetherness is better for the whole. Yeah. And uh, we, we sometimes um, we get caught up in what we do, how we do what we do, and then uh, connecting, like you said, right. warping and woofing. That's it. Uh, becomes a problem. Uh, how can everyday Christians be involved with and invested in the work of prison chaplains? Sure. So this, I always think of this story uh, whenever I uh, hear a question such as this. Uh, my little girl, Chelsea, she's not little anymore. She's 30, has two of her own. Uh, but she's uh, the wife of church planting uh, partnership up in Defiance, Ohio. And I remember a couple of years ago uh, visiting up there in Defiance, and we were driving uh, past the prison in Defiance, Ohio. And this is what Chelsea said to me. I'm quoting her word for word. She said, Daddy, I am glad that the prison isn't too far away from us. I go there quite a bit. And what she meant by that was that she's there ministering to people, that folks uh, are in their congregation who have come out of prison, returning citizens, and they've had some tremendous opportunities to connect with folks who are coming out of prison. So I just wanted to give that shout out. Another thing I wanted to bring up as it relates to this particular issue of being involved with and invested in is a prison ministry group that I'm going to pretty much just talk about for the rest of our time, actually, throughout the next uh, 20 minutes or so, and that's Prison Fellowship. That's prisonfellowship.org. And what I'm looking at here, if you go to prisonfellowship.org slash resources slash video, you can see all kinds of really cool videos about good people doing good things in the neighborhood, around prisons, in prisons, uh, prisoners speaking, uh, their gratitude for the help that they've received, all kinds of great things. I think there's over a hundred videos here on their playlists. Again, prisonfellowship.org, check out their videos. It'll tell you about how to become invested in and involved with prison chaplaincy. And speaking of investing in and involved with, um, why is the work of prison chaplaincy uh, so important to Christians and the church? Yeah. Man, uh, I got to talk about my kids again. So this one, this this is a shout-out to my son, Tyler. Uh, this young man, again, not, not real young anymore. He's 33. He's one of the first. He's one of the only people I know who actually writes real letters to people. I mean, handwritten letters to people and sends them to people. It's amazing to me. Anyway, uh, for a number of months, over a year, as I recall, uh, he was writing to a prisoner in an Ohio prison, and uh, just back and forth. And now this man returned, uh, got himself a job. Actually, Tyler helped him get a job as a returning citizen up in Ohio. And this man calls Tyler his big brother, even though this guy's older than Tyler is because Tyler stepped up. So the answer to the question of why help prisoners, 
you know, some po folks will say, uh, and I, I feel my anger rising when I, when I even say this, why help prisoners? Aren't they just getting what they deserve? Uh, once again, uh, I highly recommend that you go to the prisonfellowship.org website and they actually have uh, an answer to that question, why help prisoners? And there are all kinds of answers to that uh, particular question, but let me just read you some stats. These are, these are actually earth-shattering statistics and really very touching and dramatic for the church. There are 2.2 million men and women incarcerated in our country right now. And because of that, there are 2.7 children without a parent because those parents are in prison. I'll just repeat that again. 2.2 million people incarcerated and 2.7 million children without a parent who are in prison right now. And the sadness of this, this is awful stuff. And so when I think about what the church needs to do, I, I always will say to people, we need to step up. People need people. Uh, if you like to read, go find a child whose folks are in prison that struggles in school and read to them. Maybe you love to talk. Maybe you love to write. Go find a prison ministry. Go find a prisoner. Go start writing, uh, be a, become a pen pal to prisoners in prison. There are all different kinds of ways to do this. And, of course, our guest this next hour is going to help us all, with all of that as he explains what it means to actually step up in the prison system as he has as a chaplain. You know, it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> The take, I guess, you know, and we talk about it all the time, how you grew up, what was your environment, what were your experiences. Um, I never knew how powerful that my mother being incarcerated would be in the, you know, and have an impact on my life and the way that I uh, approach it now because my my, my sentiment, mm -hmm. and I don't, I don't want to say sentiment like in a bad way, but just yeah. my passion for understanding when people do wrong that they can come back in redemption how powerful redemption is and, there it is uh, the little bit of help that you give that can trampoline somebody to that next level yeah. um is so powerful and and i never thought about it consciously until yeah. you know we started doing this show and mm. start talking about it. it was just something innate that mm -hmm. said hey uh here's some people out here you know needing some assistance needing some help just needing a hand up uh, not a handout. There it is. And so, uh, you know, we I think we just need to do better in continuing to love one another uh, and forgive, as Scripture says. That's right. We're going to come back, and we're going to get into your 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 famous hour, <laughs> <laughs> the movies. What yeah. movies uh, can we relate uh, prison ministry and prison chaplaincy to? You are listening to Warping Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove side of Radio Next. And we are back. You are listening to RadioNext.tv, Warp and Wolf Radio, Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell, every Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. to 12 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, bringing you everything about Proverbs that you could imagine in a different twist, intersecting wisdom and knowledge. There it is. And uh, we call it Warp and Wolf. Tell them about Warp and Wolf. Warp uh, and Wolf. Yeah, the vertical horizontal threads that make fabric. So the wholeness uh, is what we're after here, and that's the concept behind Cominius, Colossians 1.17, by him are all things held together. So we believe that Jesus is the one who is the wholeness and brings wholeness. You know, and we do information all the time, Mark, you know, all community all the mm -hmm. time, and it's amazing. We're going into our last segment before our great guest, Mr. Claude Robinson, uh, takes the microphone. Uh, but technology now has created... Uh, a plethora of ways to receive information um, mm -hmm. that you, you can no longer uh, say, well, I didn't know that. That's right. Uh, and use that as an excuse or a, a valid excuse. That's right. Uh, what websites and books can help us with the information about prison chaplaincy? Absolutely. So uh, as I suggested in the last segment, I'm just going to keep going back to the same place. 
uh, in this segment as well, and that's prisonfellowship.org. Right now I have it up in front of me on my computer uh, under resources that they have there, justice reform resources, uh, some great, great information here, all kinds of connections, uh, things like pretrial, sentencing, conditions of incarceration, release, community connections. You can actually uh, hold your uh, cursor over one of the states that you're involved in or interested in. It will give you all kinds of information. But I wanted to specifically land on one issue uh, that they suggest here, and that is a six-lesson study guide. It's called Outrageous Justice. Outrageous Justice, again, prisonfellowship.org. And there are all kinds of great sessions here. Session one, for instance, justice that restores. Session two, justice that responds. Uh, justice that listens is just, uh, session three. And on and on and on. A prison Fellowship is just one of those organizations that I believe is a go-to place for anybody who's interested in checking out what is available online. They have all kinds of other resources, including books. Uh, but there, there's just a quick overview of that. Uh, tons and tons of information out there. I, you know, you could almost uh, uh, Google, yeah, exactly, and, and just you know, you put in you know the the word of your liking, and I'm telling you, you'll pull up almost any and everything. And we have to start using that a little more. Some of the information is not true, mm. so be sure about that. But right. there is a lot of pertinent information of what we're speaking of today. Uh, tell us about Christian groups involved in prison chaplaincy right now. This is going to take me about 30 yeah. seconds, man, because all I'm going to say again is prisonfellowship.org. Uh, this was started by uh, Chuck Colson, who actually went to prison after the Watergate uh, scandal uh, back in the day in the 1970s. Uh, if you're at all interested in checking out Chuck Colson's story, uh, check it out there at prisonfellowship.org. There are chapters around the United States and around the world Please go to prisonfellowship.org and check out all that, that, that is there. Tremendous uh, opportunities for us to learn so much about this important ministry. And before we get to Brother Claude Robinson, you know, this is the. <laughs> I love how you set this up. The last question <laughs> the of last the segment one, of uh, your, your conversation with Harold H.B. Bell. Uh, <laughs> since you are a movie buff. I'm sure there are pretty, uh, you know, just a, a whole ton yes, of prison movies there are. Uh, that you would recommend. And why, um, you know, should we look at some of these movies sure. pertaining to the prison chaplains? Yeah, so I'll mention a few just up front just to kind of get us going. But then I want to highlight a few that I think are really important for us to watch. Uh, the Green Mile with Tom Hanks is one of those more recent uh, prison movies that really connects with people. They really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. I highly recommend it if you haven't seen The Green Mile. Birdman from Alcatraz. This takes us back to the 60s with Burt Lancaster. A fine film, a little bit slow perhaps, but nonetheless uh, an important uh, kind of a snapshot of what could be in prison. And then, of course, you can't go with, with prison movies without mentioning Clint Eastwood's Escape from Alcatraz. Uh, this is just a great movie. If you enjoy the action flick, uh, check out Escape from Alcatraz. But here are four that I really want to highlight that are really important and powerful within the scope of what we're discussing today. The first is The Defiant Ones. This stars Sidney Poitier. Uh, this is a black and a white convict. They're both shackled to each other, and they are making a prison escape. So imagine Sidney Poitier shackled to a white guy, and they are getting out of prison, and it's basically a, a statement in a movie about the problem between the races. Uh, uh, this is a really powerful film. I highly recommend it, The Defiant Ones. Uh, the next one would be, and I'm smiling saying this, Cool Hand Luke, Paul Newman 
you know, I, I'm always saying to myself, get your mind right, Mark. Get your mind right. And I'm always thinking about that because that's one of the great lines out of that particular movie, along with another great line. What we have here is a failure to communicate. That's another great line. I uh, highly recommend Cool Hand Luke. Brubaker, Robert Redford, 1980. Here he is, uh, a new uh, prison uh enforcer, a new prison administrator coming in, cleaning up the system with a very young Morgan Freeman. Check that out. If you haven't seen it, Brubaker with Robert Redford. That was, that was probably his first movie, I if do I'm believe. not mistaken, because one good thing about Morgan, you know, a little history buff, yeah, uh, yeah. he was, I think, 52 years old when he came, Before I think he it was Brubaker. Yeah. yeah, so that's interesting. Now, check this out. He also did another famous prison movie, The Shawshank Redemption, Who Morgan Freeman. That? Exactly. And one of the greatest movies of all time, still ranked as number one in so many different lists. All of these films, in one way or another, are dealing with wrongful incarceration and specifically the comeuppance for a corrupt prison warden and the importance of justice that sometimes, and in this case, Shawshank Redemption, takes 19 years, man, 19 years. Things do not move as we always want them to move. You already know, and as we go to break, you know, I was going to do a little funny and mention stir crazy, but we don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> wrongful imprisonment. Yeah, I'm sorry, Mark. I, I am sorry. We're going to come right back, and we're going to introduce you to uh, Claude Robinson. I'm sure there's going to be some interesting conversation that goes on about uh, a man who is a prison chaplain, and, and he can give us firsthand information. Stay tuned. You're listening to Warping Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove site at radionext.tv. Next.tv at the Cool Groove site. This is Warp and Woof Radio. We come to you every Wednesday morning from 10 until noon, and we are engaging all different kinds of issues and events and folks from around the Indianapolis area. One of the taglines for this particular show is do good, do good, do good from Titus chapter 3. And we are believers who desperately think that uh, the Christian message, not only is it the most valuable and the greatest truth of any lifetime, but it is also something that needs to be put into practice. So today we are discussing prison ministries, prison chaplaincy in particular, and we have a special guest with us here today, Claude Robinson. And I'm really happy that uh, Claude is here. Uh, first thing that I did when Claude came into the studio today was to show him my socks because he he bought me a pair of socks a couple of years ago, and I wanted him to know that I always remember this. Claude has uh, been a student of mine, and we've been friends for some time. Claude, welcome to the show. Tell us something about yourself, your family, your church, life experiences, what kind of work you do in the Indianapolis community. Uh, thank you, Professor. Um, I've been in this community all my life. I started off, uh, most of my career was in the insurance industry. Uh, I'm married. I've got three sons, and nine grandkids and uh, so I've been very blessed uh, in this uh, in this community since I've been here uh, started off in the insurance industry for my, like I was telling you my one of my offices was here was at Allstate right around the corner here so I spent a lot of time here in this in this neighborhood uh, but after going back to school I decided uh, a few years ago to go back to school and I've been out of school for quite a while so when I decided to go back to get my master's uh, I ran into you <laughs> and so uh, that was a uh, uh, big impact on my life. One of the things that I noticed when we were in class that a lot of people didn't know what they were going back to school for. I knew what I went back to school for. Mm -hmm. I knew what I wanted to do uh, after being in the insurance industry for about 35 years. I was ready to for a change, uh, and I asked God what kind of change that, that, that uh, I needed to do. And one of the things I wanted to do was I wanted to teach. Mm. 
Uh, and so after I met you and I went through some of your classes, I loved your style of teaching. Hmm. And so that's one of the things that I implemented when I got into teaching. Uh, so I started teaching uh, about maybe two and a half, three years ago. Uh, and then I told my wife, I said, it's time for me to move on. Uh, so when I decided to move on, I, I, I was looking at some areas in chaplaincy. I had got my master's. Uh, and I said, it's time for me to, to look in some areas in chaplaincy. So I looked at some prisons. I looked at the hospitals. Uh, and I, um, I told my wife, and she knows me. I said, that when I make up my mind on something, it's, it's, it's done. So I told her, I said, listen, I'm going to go ahead and um, I'm going to move on. Uh, I'm teaching now, and I start teaching at Ivy Tech. Uh, I'm not teaching what I had planned on teaching. I, when I got uh, in your class, I was planning on teaching in, uh, in some of the Bible colleges, but that didn't mm. happen. Mm. So God had other plans for me. I'm actually teaching um, criminal justice at Ivy Tech, mm. which is ironic uh, because mm. I, I met a lot of people through, through this system. So I, one of the guys that I had, um, uh, one of the guys I had speaking for me with some of my classes was the superintendent uh, at Pendleton. And so he would come and speak for me, and then we would talk, and uh, we've been friends for a lot of years. Uh, and so one day I, I told my wife, I said, I'm looking at, you know, making some moves, so I put in some application to some chaplaincy jobs. He had noticed I had put in an application at one of the prisons and gave me a call. He said, listen, don't, uh, don't take that job. I've got an opening here mm. at Pendleton. I want you to take it. Uh, so hold off for about another month. Uh, so within a couple of weeks of making my decision that um, I wanted to go into another field and to go into chaplaincy, uh, I was already had got an offer to go work at, at a prison. Uh, so God had opened up that door for me, and within a month I was working at, uh, at the prison. That's the funny thing is I knew one of the directors, he's a good friend of mine also for the prison system, and he told me, he said, you're taking on uh, a mega church. Mm. You're looking at 1,800 inmates, and so you're going to be taking on a mega church. And I didn't understand what he was talking about uh, when he told me that. But now, it, I realize now that mm. it's, it's been very um, uh, demanding uh, uh, being around that many people, that mm. many people pulling at you. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's been also very rewarding. Uh, I'll, be on, I'll be honest with you, when I first took the position, I'm thinking about being a pastor in a church and... Uh, uh, that's is more to it than that. Mm. Uh, just preaching and teaching is, is much more to that. Uh, I realized that one of the things that I noticed in the community that there's not a lot of people know what the word chaplain means. Mm. Uh, and if I, you know, I, I might wear my chaplain hat or a shirt or something like that, and somebody would ask me uh, what branch of the service I'm in. So I realized that most people who know the word chaplain uh, are people who are military people. Mm -hmm. Most people, don't, other, other people on the, on the streets don't know what the word chaplain means. Uh, and so I, one of the things that I try to tell people that chaplains are people who pastor to people who are disconnected to society. So you're looking at hospitals, people are in the hospital, can I get out? Hmm. Uh, you're looking at uh, military, mil military people are out away from home. So you're looking at chaplains who are providing pastoral service to people who are disconnected uh, to society. And so that's what I try to explain to people when they ask me, what is a chaplain? Because I get that all the time. What do you guys do? Uh, and so we do pastor to people who are disconnected to society. So you're looking at, and that's hence the, the prison system. Uh, and so you're looking at a lot of times uh, we're uh, prote protecting the uh, the rights of people for religion. So we're doing most for people for religion. So we're doing most for people for religion. 
So we're doing most for people for religion. So we're doing most for people for religion. So we're doing most for people for religion. So we're doing most for people for religion. More than just preaching and teaching and uh, pastoring. So we're doing, we're protecting their religious rights. So in the prison system, you've got about 15 different uh, religions in the prison system. Mm. And so we're also pr uh, program coordinators. So our job is to find people who's going who's gonna to do these programs, because mm. obviously I'm not a Muslim and I'm not a Buddhist. And, uh, and so I have to find somebody who can coordinate those programs. Okay. Uh, and so I would find, and, and we would find people, we have to vet these people and make sure that, you know, they are suitable to come into the prison. Then we have to train them uh, because you just can't allow people to come into a prison system. It is very dangerous. Mm. Uh, it is very demanding because you have a lot of people who are con artists uh, that uh, a lot of times uh, they can take advantage of people. Mm. So we, we do have a long training process. Um, inside the prison when we bring in these um, we, these different, uh, we call them chaplains, but they're not paid chaplains. I'm a paid chaplain. Mm. These guys are volunteer chaplains. Mm. So we have volunteer uh, Buddhists. We have volunteer Muslims that come in, groups of Muslims that come in. Um, uh, we've got uh, Hebrew Israelites, uh, mm. MSTA, all, all different uh, religions that a lot of people haven't heard of. Mm. But like I said, there's about 15 of them. They're, they're not all very active but they are, they are allowed to practice these different religions. Mm. Mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm just sitting over here going, you have an awful lot of work to do, man. Yes. That's yes. a lot of work. Uh, I, I wanted to jump back to something you said when you were talking about the issue of teaching. And uh, I'm really, I think it'd really be helpful for people to hear, uh, how do you teach your classes at Ivy Tech? And specifically, uh, I'm interested in how many p different kinds of folks you invite into your classes, and why do you do that? Well, it's been kind of strange because I invite a lot of people, mostly uh, uh, criminal justice. Uh, I've had the prosecutor in. Uh, I've had uh, the chief of police in. And what I've noticed, they're all Christians. Mm. And that, I mean, this wasn't done by design. It just happened to be that's who my circle of people are. Yeah. Uh, and so they all come in and they all preach, uh, not preach, but they all teach and speak about their Christian background. Mm. Uh, and so we have a lot of people in the police department uh, and the, in the prosecutor's office that are Christians. Uh, and, and they're not afraid to, to tell that. Mm. So I do bring them in my class because I teach several different uh, criminal justice class. Uh, right now I'm teaching an introduction to corrections class, which... Uh, uh, we're doing uh, visits to different uh, prisons around the uh, around the state mm. to get them an introduction of, of um, uh, the prison system. I also teach introduction to uh, uh, criminal justice, uh, and so I will have some of the, uh, like I said, a prosecutor come in mm -hmm. or the um, uh, pro board. I have some of them, uh, pro, some of the pro officers come in and speak. Mm. Uh, so I have a different types of people that will come in and, and explain their careers and how they got into their careers and what it takes. You know. how, does, uh, how do your students respond to these people who are coming in? They don't necessarily have a degree in teaching or something, but they certainly have the experience, the experiential knowledge. How do they respond in the classroom to the folks you're bringing in? I think they respond well because of the fact that they know these guys are out there. Mm -hmm. these, these men and women are out there, uh, and, and they have the experience that they're looking mm -hmm. for. Because uh, a lot of these uh, these young women, men and women in my class, they want to be lawyers. They want to be uh, FBI agents. They, you know, they they they've got uh, some big goals. But how do you get there? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that um, I try to impress on them is uh, mentorship. Mm 
mm. uh, finding somebody that uh, you can you can tag on and and, um, uh, and learn from. Yes. And one of the things that I've done throughout my whole career, I always found people that were older than me and that was mm. uh, much more experienced to me, and I tagged on. I don't care what state they were in. Uh, I will call them and mm -hmm. I tell them I got a problem with this or how do I handle this. Mm -hmm. uh, so mentorship is very important to me. So I, I try to get them involved with people that they can, uh, they can uh, meet with on on a on a their lifetime basis. Just okay. like you and I, you know, we met and uh, and I've been tackling you ever since. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so and I'm returning the favor today, man. <laughs> so you know, I look at uh, uh, the experience that I got from you, and I was like, man, that's you know, you're looking at. What kind of style do I want to teach? You know, you know, I still use your case study method oh, good. Uh, when I when I do my teaching. You know, and so I try to prepare my classes that way, nice, uh, so that I know what my agenda is going to be for throughout the whole class. Um, That's a great way to go. I, so this brings up something else, and I didn't even plan to think about this particular aspect of life. But since you bring this up. Um, Obviously, this, this is a radio program that's a Christian radio program. The two of us are believers. You just mentioned that most of the folks that come in, if not all, into your class are believers. So I have to ask this question. It kind of strikes me as interesting. You have students in your classes, some of whom I'm assuming aren't Christians, but is there any sense uh, in which your students are moved or changed or transformed or influenced in any way by people who are Christians who are coming in doing this difficult work, whatever it might be, and do they get any sense of grace, of generosity? Uh, do they walk away saying, wow, that's, that's going to impact my life, I'm going to think about that more? Anything like that? Some, some of them have. Um, I don't know if you remember, uh, I know you think, you've, I think you've had him in your class, uh, uh, Cardona? Yeah, sure. He was a police officer. Yeah. I had him speak in my class one day, and you know he was a chaplain. And it was ironic that one of the one of the young girls that's in my class remembered him from a couple of years ago when her sister died. Mm. He came out to her house. That How really impacted her for him to come out there and speak to our class. Mm. Uh, and so the, a lot of them have been affected by some of, some of the testimonies and some of the the, the the lifestyles that these people have lived in their lives. So mm -hmm. they have been affected by that. I didn't notice that. I thought maybe yeah, you know, it's kind of it's going to be a maybe it might be a problem, but it wasn't. This last semester, the semester that I'm teaching right now, I asked the question, and like I always ask, how many people in this class that I've had in the past, in other classes? And to my surprise, half of the class raised their hand. Oh, my. Uh, and so, you know, they're not ducking me. At least, you know, so <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I was kind of uh, uh, proud of that fact. You that know, is Because good. I always try to uh, uh, be, you know, be better at what I do. Yeah. And, and hopefully that uh, uh, somebody's getting... Um, uh, something out of my classes. Yeah, well, that's exactly. That's going to impact their life. So, you know, and well, I've pe had people that I've given uh, letters for, recommendations for jobs, nice. and so forth. So, yeah. Well, people are taking on to you now, man. They look yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's good. You know, that's what I'm, you know, I wanted to give back. I spent most of my life uh, uh, in sales, and, you know, and, and, and um, I told, you know, I, I felt like uh, it was time for me to give back to uh, God's work, and mm -hmm. it's been busy. I mean, I, I think I work harder now than I ever worked mm. in my life, and mm. so it's uh, it's been something that's very um, uh, rewarding. But it has been uh, been very busy. Some of the, some of the other things that we do uh, in in uh, in the chaplains, because uh, like I said, people always ask. Uh, we do pastoral counseling, mm. uh, so we do a lot of counseling. Uh, and one of the things that I found that when a, a young man's uh, a mother died or a child died. They don't ask me what religion I'm from. I don't mm -hmm. care if they're Muslim or whatever. I mm -hmm. ask them, I said, do you mind if I pray for you? 
nobody's told me no yet. Mm. Uh, and so we, we continue to uh, uh, do pastoral counseling to those who are suffering, because they are suffering. Mm. One of the things about the prison where I'm at, most of these people are never getting out. Mm. Uh, and so you're looking at the fact that their mother died. They're not going to a, a funeral service. Mm. Uh, and so they're not going to, if their little boy died, you know, I had one boy that got hit by a car at two years old. Mm. He cannot go to this, this service. Mm. He's got to have some pastoral counseling because mm. he's going to be grieving for a long time. So we do some grief counseling. Uh, we do marriage counseling. Um, we have, uh, uh, I don't do a lot of marriage, and, uh, marriage but uh, marrying, but uh, we do do some counseling. We do have classes for uh, we do have class. I do require classes for everybody who gets baptized. I think I passed baptized about a dozen people last year. Mm. Uh, and so before that, I have to. I require them to do a class on baptism mm. and what it means and why are you getting baptized. You'd sure. be surprised. A lot of people don't know why they're doing it. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I do have classes for that. Um, I give a lot of death notices. One of the worst part of my job is is, is death notices, mm. uh, which I had to do one. I think it was yesterday. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and so one of the problems is, is when they see me coming or if I call them to my office, they're shaking already mm -hmm. before they get there because mm -hmm. they realize, you know, the only reason why you're calling me is because somebody's sick or dying, yeah. uh, which is uh, it's, it's, it's kind of difficult sometimes because, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, uh, you don't want to be looked at as, as a, a father of death, you know, when, right. when they see you, you know, but <laughs> you know, I had a guy come to my office, and he comes to my office already crying half the way. I'm like, oh, no, it's nothing serious, but I just got a question for you. you know? <laughs> but, oh, man. You know, it's just like yeah. that's the reputation that I, that we have because we do do a lot of, you know, out, out of 1,800 people, somebody's always dying. Sure. Or somebody's always sick. Um, and so I try to, these guys cannot, since they cannot go to a funeral, we'll try to give them a call to their loved ones um, so they can speak to them maybe before mm. they pass away or, mm. Uh, I've had that happen a few times where people were in hospice and uh, the, uh, that offender would get a chance to talk to them before they pass away. Oh, that's they appreciate great. It. This is, uh, if you're listening live or later on in the podcast uh, and you don't have some compassion just kind of welling up in your heart, I don't know what's wrong with you, uh, honestly. When you stop to think about people, human beings who are incarcerated, who, as we're listening to Claude Robinson tell us, uh, will never get out of jail, will not be able to go to a funeral, will not be able to uh, grieve over the sickness of a loved one. You know, these are huge human events, and these are things that ought not to be taken lightly. You are listening to Radio TV at the Cool Groove site. This is Warp and Woof Radio. We're going to take a quick radio uh, musical break and be right back. You are listening to Radio TV at the Cool Groove site. This is Warp and Woof Radio. We are here in studio today with Mr. Claude Robinson, and we're really happy that you're uh, with us here today to talk about prison chaplaincy. We've got about 20 minutes thereabouts uh, left here in our program, and we want to make sure to hit some of uh, the important ideas that come out of a prison chaplaincy role. So when you think about this particular question, how would you respond? How does your Christian view of life inform your practice of being a prison chaplain? I think within the last year I've learned, I thought I knew uh, about uh, compassion and about love. Matter of fact, my next sermon that I'm working on right now is about love out of uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, I thought I knew a lot about love, but I've, 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 uh, I've learned about a pastor's love being in, mm -hmm. in the prison system. I've, I've met some very uh, strong Christian men that are never going to get out. 
uh, they they inspire me uh, every day that we that mm -hmm. I'm here at the prison. We have three different services every every week, uh, Thursday evening, and two services on Saturdays, and uh, those are the things that keep me there. I mm -hmm. enjoy our, our Christian services, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they're um, uh, something that I really came there to, to do. Mm -hmm. The other part about the, uh, the the administration and the uh, budgeting and the uh, uh, program coordinating that, that part of it I wasn't too crazy about when I found out <laughs> about it because the, the first couple of weeks I'm like whoa I, this is not what I was you looking for you know for so <laughs> but uh, after a while it, it it was part of the deal so mm -hmm. uh, I've gotten used to it but I do enjoy the the Christian services and um, I do enjoy the fact that I can't counsel with people mm. uh, I had one of my cousin's daughters ask me over the holidays if you ran into the guy from Boston that killed all those people in the church uh, would you speak to him? I was, and without hesitation, I said, oh, absolutely. Uh, I, we all have a, uh, a right to salvation. Mm. Uh, and so that's one of the things that I have learned, uh, having looking at people uh, in a, in a Christ-like manner uh, when I'm talking to them. Uh, and I don't look at what they're there for. Because mm -hmm. some of those guys are there for some hideous things. Mm. And so if I looked at that and I judged them, I couldn't witness to them. Mm. Uh, so I don't judge. I, I, just, I just preach uh, the gospel. Mm. Then I move on. Uh, so you know. when you when you think about this, and this is something we talked about off air uh, here, you're talking about the gospel. You're talking about uh, being compassionate, loving and so on. But one of the difficulties you suggested is that uh, churches have a hard time with prison ministry, per se. Uh, tell us why that might be and what kind of response uh, should we have if we are truly compassionate and loving toward others? I think that's only been within the last, I say, 10 or 15 years uh, when I was growing up churches were big in the prison ministry uh, it's just that now that um, there's no pat on the back for prison ministry and I think a lot of uh, people don't see it as a rewarding uh, ministry mm -hmm. and so we don't have as many uh, churches in there we have to fight to get churches in in the, in the, in the prison to, to teach classes and, and to come out and preach a sermon it's not as easy as it was before you know we used to have uh, my own church we would have 15 20 guys going out there to a, to a, a prison ministry Hmm. And I think we're down to two. Wow. Uh, and so it's not as, it's not as uh, big as it was, I'd say, 10, 15 years ago. And I, and I don't know why that is. Hmm. The sadness of that, uh, going back to something that you had mentioned just uh, before our break, uh, you said, and I actually wrote it down, uh, that pastoral service, what you do as a chaplain is pastoral service to people who are disconnected. And it's that word disconnected that really kind of caught me. Uh, so when you are talking about, hey, it's hard to get the church invested in this, um, how do we maybe use that word disconnected to say everybody's disconnected in one way or another, and then how do we reengage people into that? Well, and that's one of the things that I've learned also. I'm talking to guys, and I'm listening to their, their background, and uh, there's a world out there that we really don't have no idea mm -hmm. about for some of these guys, their lifestyles and their family lifestyles and their grandparents' lifestyle. There's a world that we're not connected to at all as far as the church, and we've got churches on every corner in the, in the city. Uh, but you look at, you listen to these guys where they came from, and, and there's no, there's no, uh, you, you, you wonder, you know, there's no reason why he wouldn't be there. Uh, and so a lot of times, you know, I would say that, you know, a lot of these guys are being rescued. Mm. Uh, they're not being locked up. They're being rescued because of the lifestyle that they grew up in. And then I listen to uh, some of the things that they've gone through with their family and with their mothers and with their grandparents. It's like, man, I mean, it breaks my heart. Mm. I mean, because, you know, this guy didn't have no hope. Or this, you know, because I'm, I'm with nothing but men. I said, but they, they don't have any hope 
when they were out there on the streets. Mm -hmm. and, and then I've also did volunteer work with the uh, juvenile system. And, and, uh, and so you listen to guys who listen to kids who don't know anything about Christ, ain't never heard the word Christ, mm -hmm. uh, and don't have anywhere to go once they get out. And they're 12 and 13 years old. Nobody wants them anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, and so those are the things that uh, you listen to their background, their life. And I said, now, who's reaching these people on the streets? Yeah. Um, because there's a, there's a world out there we're not familiar with, and mm -hmm. I, and I you know this, I'm ashamed to, to to admit that I've been all over the city and I've been all over the state and I travel and I and I said there's a world out there that um, uh, that's being neglected mm -hmm. when it comes to the ministry. When you uh, we talk generally speaking about something called generational poverty, uh, so let's use that in a different way. Do you think that there's such a thing as generational incarceration? Oh yeah, most definitely. I'm, I've got guys in, at the prison that's there with their brother and their father, mm. all in the same prison. Uh, and 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 you look at the same names. Their cousins are there. Uh, their their grandparents are in another prison. So mm -hmm. it, it's from generation to generation. And so how do you break this cycle? Uh, because it's it's a it's a cycle of incarceration where um, it's been it's been down from generation to generation. Especially when you're looking at the gang population. Uh, they're they're. Uh, uh, they look at it as a badge of honor to go to prison. You mm. know, and so a lot, a lot of them are there because of their lifestyle from, from the gangs. Mm. You mentioned, you just used a word a moment ago, uh, the word cycle. Uh, do you see this, uh, the problem of sinfulness, that is a, a person's sinful behavior, as just taking a cyclic approach, not only in their own life, but then in the life of their family and uh, maybe for generations to come? Well, it's funny because one of the things that you we always you, you, we joked about when we see each other is about the, the time you was on the plane and asked the guy about why is it wrong to to murder. <laughs> I started all of my classes out that way <laughs> <laughs> because I'm interested in hearing what is the answer to that. Mm. And you get some some strange answers, mm. you know. And so uh, that's one of the things that I you know I ask people, you know, we're in our a society that that's got a lack of morals. I ask you, know, why is it wrong? I mean, you guys are going to be our lawmakers. Mm -hmm. You you guys are going to be writing some of our policies. Mm -hmm. uh, so why is it wrong? Mm -hmm. And so I want to know. And mm -hmm. so you know, it's it's a good question. So you look at uh, uh, some of the people that are in the prison system. If it wasn't for uh, that chapel, yeah, uh, they would never have known Christ. Mm -hmm. And I mean, these guys once they once they get a hold to it, I mean, they're they're on fire. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was telling the guy, I was told by my friend that's with the department, he said that these guys know that Bible inside and out, mm. you know. And so, you know, you got to be sharp when you get in there. Yeah. And, and, and because they have nothing but time. Right. And so they're going to read it. They're going to read and they're going to study and they've got questions. Uh, and, and you've got to answer it, mm. you know. And so it's, uh, it's, it can be kind of challenging. Yeah. You mentioned a, a word a moment ago. Uh, the fame, to me, it's a famous four-letter word, which is the word hope, which really is the centerpiece of the movie Shawshank Redemption. Uh, which which is really, you know, do we have hope? And if hope is the most important thing, uh, what can we give to people? So when you think about the word hope in your setting, you just mentioned that a lot of these guys aren't ever getting out of this place. How in the world do they view hope in a way that maybe the rest of us don't even think about it? They, they, they do view it through Christ. Okay. Most of them that I've met that have, that have found a way to cope They've done it through Christ, mm. uh, and I've, I'm, mess, I'm working with a young man right now that's uh, that's having a very hard time. He's got, I think he's got some maybe some mental issues, but uh, he's he's people in his family are dying, and and um, uh, and so one of the guys that are in my in my chapel that has been around a long time, 
I asked him to take this guy on in your wing and mentor him for me. Mm. I said, because he, every time I see him, he's coming to my office with some, I have to give him some kind of death notice. I said, take this guy. I said, he's having a hard time. And I told him, I said, you know, the only way you can cope Mm. with what you're going through right now is through Christ. Mm. You need to be here in this chapel every week. Mm. And I said, so I, I assign, I will assign a mentor. So I'll bring some of the other inmates in and they will pray for him at that time. We mm. all would pray for this guy. I said, now you take this guy and you mentor him with, about Christ. Bring him into the church service. Mm. And uh, they, they do that. They will do that. And they'll bring him in. And, and they said, this is the only way you're going to be able to cope with what you're struggling with right now. Some mm. of the guys in there are angry. Now, out of 1,800 um, out of 1,800 uh, offenders, we've got maybe 600 that don't come to the chapel service. Really? Yeah. 600? 600. So you're not looking at, I mean, that's for Christian services now. Yeah, I uh, get We're it. not talking about, uh, you know, you still got the Muslim, Muslim and the services. Mm -hmm. But for the Christian services, we only have 600 people out of 1,800 that's coming to the services. I've had people that are out there, and it's a community that never knew where the chapel was at. Mm. You know, they, they didn't know anything about it. Mm. Uh, but one of the problems, like I said, is that, the society doesn't know what a chaplain is. Sure. Some states have gotten rid of the chaplaincy program altogether. Hmm. Then all of a sudden it's like, oops, you know, we yeah. kind of messed up. So <laughs> How about they, that? they'll bring it back in. Mm -hmm. uh, but one of the reasons that is is that they don't know what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. So, I, we, you know, we keep records of everything we do. Uh, you know, we have about, out of, uh, out of 1,800, we'll have 600 people come through our chapel on a daily basis mm. uh, to, for different services, for different classes. Uh, and... Um, uh, and for counseling and you know and, and different things like that. Yeah. We have a, 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 a tremendous uh, choir and band that's been really uh, a choir and a band. They are nationally known. I mean, they're on a, they're on YouTube and oh they've been word. on TV. And uh, matter of fact, they're they're part of a national move international movie. Uh, uh. And so we have a tremendous uh, choir and band. I mean, they're they're one of my highlights of my my week. Uh, they're a gospel uh, group. Wow. Uh, and so it's, um, and these guys are very talented. I mean, they've, they've produced their own uh, music. They've, mm. written, they've written their own music, uh, and they recorded it. And when people see it, they're like, man, who's, you know, where do they get all this equipment? I mean, they, they, they kind of make it up as they go, you know, because they don't have the equipment that you may have here. Mm. Uh, but they make it work. And these guys are very talented. Mm. Uh, I'll have uh, guys in, my, in my, my chapel service that I have. We have about eight clerks that work in the, in, the, in the service. They do everything for us. But you have guys there that's been there 20 years, and now they're speaking three languages fluently. I'm not talking about. Wow. I mean, and got uh, degrees from Ball State. Mm. Uh, and so, I, you know, I can name, you know, several guys that, that's gotten their, 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 uh, their bachelor's and their master's degree. Mm. Uh, one guy that comes to my service is working on his doctorate now in hmm. ministry. Uh, but all the thing they can do with it is right there at the prison because they're not getting out. Yeah. You know, but they're, they're just thirsty for knowledge. I, you know, I'm sitting over here with my mouth half open because I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you literally have a church, as you well said early on, you have a church within the prison and yeah. you're pastor. Right. You are the right. pastor of that church. And now to hear, and I'd never even known this before, that you have uh, a choir, you have uh, this gospel group that's that's well known, you have some kind of orchestral band going on in there, just amazing stuff. So for anybody out there listening, when you think about uh, all of the different folks that are out there that might hear your voice and hear the kinds of things that are happening, what would you say to them uh, if they were sitting right here in front of you right now about the guys in this prison and how can they connect and do good for those folks there? 
I, I would say come and visit. I mean, come in there and do a service. Uh, I, everybody that I've had come in and, and visit, they're surprised. Mm -hmm. They enjoy the services that we put on. And most of the time it's on Saturdays. I invite other pastors. I invite other ministers. Uh, I've had groups come in and play. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, I, I tell them to come in and, and, uh, and visit. You'll be surprised of the, the uh, enthusiasm mm -hmm. uh, and the appreciation that these guys show for you coming in. This, this Saturday, uh, a lot talking about uh, uh, ministry and the minist uh, Army ministry, we're celebrating the four chaplains in World War II uh, oh, this, wow. this Saturday. Uh, and that which is done every year, but we have we have our, we have our own American Legion in the prison. I mean, we got a building that's dedicated to wow. military personnel. So we're having we're doing a service for the four chaplains. Uh, and these four chaplains on this ship in World War II were all different denominations: Methodist, you know, uh, Baptist, and, and uh, Jewish. They were all different denominations, but the, all four of them gave their life. Mm -hmm. uh, for the service of these men on this ship. Mm -hmm. They all gave up their life vests as mm -hmm. the ship was sinking. Mm -hmm. And as the ship was sinking, they all sung songs as mm -hmm. the ship was going down. So the Army celebrates these four chaplains every year. So we're having a four chaplain service uh, mm -hmm. this uh, weekend at the, at the service. So one of the uh, pastors that's going to be speaking is um, Pastor Richard Curry. Uh, and, and Richard Curry is also the director, one of the directors of the prison system. Hmm. But he's going to be preaching our service this weekend. Uh, we've got some other speakers, and I'll and I'll be part of that service also. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I think for people, if they came in, they saw that what we do and uh, uh, what we've accomplished. You know, I think they would be very impressed, and they would enjoy the service. And I think we have more people come out. So. Hmm. All right, great, wow. Well, listen, if you uh, if you're listening, or if you hear this podcast later on, uh, do not hesitate uh, to connect with Claude Robinson about these things. Uh, it, it fascinates me as we're, you know, kind of, I'm listening to you talk about all of these different things, and you have these this connection literally to the outside world. You have an American Legion, uh, you have a, a whole section of your prison, as you suggested, toward the military, and then of course the famous uh, four chaplain story. It's very famous. If you've never heard of it uh, before, those who are listening, uh, go bing it, go Google it. Uh, the four chaplains who went down with the ship and gave up their life vest to, to others. Uh, when you think about the connection that you're able to make with all different kinds of folks, you're talking about gangs who you said it's a badge of courage for them to come into the prison system, or guys who have been in the military, how do you see this, this connection between the groups of individuals? What goes on between them, and how do you, how do you deal with some of the difficulties, let's say, that come up between groups? Well, I'm not... Um uh, one of the things that uh, I didn't mention in the beginning is that I worked for the prison system uh, 25, 30 years ago. Uh, and so I, I was into a lot of different reasons why I know so many people in the system now and in, in, in criminal justice is because of my background uh, some 25 years ago. Uh, and so I'm not naive in, in what some of these guys are in there for. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not uh, soft-hearted toward these guys. Uh, I have to be realistic with them. Mm -hmm. uh, most of these guys know what they're there for. Uh, and uh, they realize what they've done, uh, and they realize that um, uh, they have to they have to answer for that. Mm. Uh, but you do have some in there that uh, are, are looking at the fact that uh, they feel like they've been done wrong, mm. and so you have to deal with them also. You have to also listen to their complaints about why I killed three people and they gave me 40 years. They think something was wrong with that, mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, I have to deal with those questions and explain to them 
uh, you know, the, the uh, how they have to deal with that in, in, in that prison, you know, mm -hmm. how they have to live with that prison system mm -hmm. and how they have to, how they, and these are people that are, are professional Christians that are coming to me telling me this. Oh, so wow. I have to deal with them and explain mm -hmm. to them how they can live with what they've done. Yeah. And why, you know, the system may have been to you unjust, but you're here. You yeah. have to deal with it. You have to, you have to be realistic. So when you're talking about being a pastor, you're not talking about some kind of pie-in-the-sky world. You're talking about these guys have to deal with everyday life right now, right here. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, and, we, and like I said, I'm not, I'm not you know, painting a, a pretty picture. We do have some guys in there that are very dangerous mm -hmm. uh, that you have to be careful of. And, you know, you know, you, you know that when you're dealing mm -hmm. with them. So I, most of my service, I'll have two or three hundred guys in that room. I'm there by myself. I don't have any officers in there with me. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm in the prison system by myself. I'm in the chapel by myself 90% uh, uh, of the time. Okay. Uh, and so, you know, you have to be realistic that you are in a dangerous environment mm. uh, and you are dealing with some dangerous people. So, you know, everybody in there is not Christians. Mm. Uh, and so you have to, you have to be uh, cognizant of that fact, you know, who, right. you're, who you're working with. So it is, it is, it is I think that, uh, ironically enough, I was telling uh, my friend from, uh, from, uh, from the, uh, the uh, corrections zone, uh, he came out and speak for me, and I, I told him, I said, you know, I think I was uh, wired for this hmm. because it's strange because it, it's just very natural for me. Hmm. Uh, and I know it's not easy for everybody. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, man, we're, we're so happy that you're there, and I, I realize that you actually are going right from here to work. Uh, down to Pendleton, and you're going uh, to do your job here. Right. Yeah, I'll be there until eight o'clock. We have a couple. Matter of fact, this is our our, our band practice tonight. So okay, <laughs> so okay. I'm catching earplugs. You know, what? I, I, although I enjoy listening to him play, uh, listen to him play the song over and over again. They'll get up a nurse. Tonight, <laughs> you know, so. Okay. Uh, we also have uh, uh, we have AA come in on on uh, Wednesday night. Mm. Uh, we also have Kairos, uh, uh, which is a, is, is a large Christian organization, national, mm -hmm. international organization. They come in and have Bible study okay. tonight. And so, uh, and I think we have another Bible study goes on tonight. And so this is, uh, uh, like I said, we have, we have a lot of things going on in a, in a given day. Mm -hmm. uh, and so our choir will practice in one room, and then down the hall we've got classes that are going on mm -hmm. at the same time. Uh, we got guys who are, you know, alcohol um, uh, substance abuse counselors come in and teach a class. Okay. Uh, and so a lot of that goes on on, on Wednesdays, and so I'll be there until 8 o'clock because yeah. sometimes to get volunteers in, they have to come in after work. So mm -hmm. just Wednesday is my late day. Okay. Uh, we have two chaplains at the prison, and we kind of share the week. So we're there six days a week. All right. Uh, so, you know, so that um, uh, his late nights on Thursday, mine is on Wednesday, and then we kind of share the rest of the week uh, and doing some of the same things. Okay. Great. Well, look, as as we're coming down to the end of the program here, we're just about to get off, mostly because we want to make sure that you get to work on time. Uh, what is the uh, If you're going to leave our listeners with any uh, final words, uh, whatever they might be, what would you say? Uh, pray for the system. Pray for the, the ministry. Uh, but like I said, because a lot of uh, the, uh, the, the federal government has gotten rid of the chaplaincy system or they brought chaplains back as volunteers. Uh, and uh, and so pray for the, the the system that people understand why we're there mm -hmm. and and what we're trying to accomplish mm. uh, because I think we're out of sight out of mind mm. uh, and so a lot of times it's like you know we're paying these guys to, to do what and mm -hmm. so they so you get the new administration come in it's like what are we paying these guys for because they don't understand most of these guys are not Christians uh, that are coming into the system and so they don't understand why why it's necessary okay you know so pray that, for the system that's huge. Yeah. 
Well, we're really grateful again for your participation here today with us. Thanks so much for taking the time. You are listening to RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. This is Warp and Wolf Radio. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 till noon. Next week, we have a real special treat. We are having Mother Womack from Unleavened Bread come in here, and we are going to hear from her about her 20 years at Unleavened Bread, and our friend Neil Cox is going to help her uh, bring her over here to that particular uh, radio show. Uh, so that's going to be a, w- a wonderful time. And then in a couple of weeks uh, from here, we have uh, some folks who are actually coming off the mission field uh, who are down in Mexico, Guada- Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh, that's Matt and Esther. And Matt and Esther are going to be here, and we're going to be talking about cross-cultural communication. What does it mean to actually uh, talk about or and talk with other people from a different culture and language? And then in three weeks from now, I actually have to be out of town. I'm going to Houston to present a couple papers uh, down at a conference. And uh, Pastor Jim Streelmeyer, our friend Jim, is going to be in. He's going to be covering for me, and we'll be talking. Uh, he'll be talking with some folks in the hospital system and some health agencies. It will be a special show. I really invite you all to come back to hear that. Uh, look for our podcast, as I mentioned earlier in the program, at cominiusinstitute.org. You'll find everything there that we have to offer. HB, it's been a great show again today. Thanks so much for your participation. Claude, we're grateful again for your time. Appreciate Blessings, it. everyone, on the week, and thank you so much for listening. This is Warp and Woof Radio. See you next week.